Olson. And Chris Emke. And you're listening to the Diesel Performance Podcast. Chris, we're wrapping up our very first ever draggy competition. Did it meet your expectations so far? It was a lot of fun. It was really cool. It was. So I you was... got you got to get out and make a pass in the dually. I wish I I wish I was able to do my truck. You know, my truck's been at the shop. It's been on and off the dyno. I don't think I'm going to be able to do a submission. Maybe the next go-round yeah, I will. Yeah, yeah. But uh, the dually was a lot of fun, you know, hauling around 9,000-plus pounds on the road it did. in Mexico. It did uh, was a lot so of fun. much better than than the Denali. Yeah. I, I took the uh, 2020 Denali out with our shop tech DJ uh, and had him do a run yesterday. Man, that 10-speed trans just did well, not like full throttle. You got to think about this, man. You know, the, the newer trucks and the technology, you know, they're not designed for – you know, quarter mile or, or eighth mile times. Not at they all. They are made for towing, keeping emissions happy, the overall operation of the engine. So that's where the added gears come from. When you think of fast shit, fast shit. Less gears. Less gears. Yeah. So, you know, you have like the GM, like the Turbo 400s. There's only a couple gears. Uh, it's really common for like, you know, Duramax and even the Dodges, you know, to have a 47 or 48 behind it. Yeah. They only have four gears. Well, even running so, eighth mile, you would expect to probably only get up to like, I don't know, maybe third gear and peel it out, maybe fourth gear, right, for, yeah. for your faster trucks out there. That truck's going um, through six, seven gears. Yeah, that truck yeah. to get up to, to that normal is yeah. like, and the shifts were just, because we can't tune that 10 speed yeah. yet, so the shifts were dramatic, yeah. I think is the nicest way I could phrase it. It, it was it was pretty brutal run. Uh, we'll, we's get the times published. But you know what, it, 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 it the trans has fun. only been out a year. So, yeah, you know, yeah, for sure, man. Yeah, listen, you know, I don't think we'll be having the same conversation two years down the road. No, It'll not at all. I also see. think there were probably some options with like manual shifting and, and limiting the gear and things yeah. like that. We didn't really play too much with, listen, it's a 2020 Denali, right? Like it's not meant, it's a four-door short, but like it's not, no. it's not for running as fast as we possibly could. What did the BMW do? BMW still holds and steady. I got a 988 on record. That's impressive. But I published my 10 second run because I, I got a better video with it. You know what? I should do my TDI. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, should yeah. Why that. not? Throw it in the dinosaur the class. Tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. I should do that. Maybe I can give your BMW a run for its money. Hey, well, you could try, bro. It's Man. fast. I'm just like, it's, no, it's, it's fast. It's fast. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, it's technically Friday. We, we do have. Um, we yeah. do also have a couple other entries in the emissions equipped class. So we got Jamie uh, Curley, who's who's running as Rip Montana. Um, he has that LML twin turbo yeah. modified fuel system the built trans, the world's slowest twin turbo. Do you know LML. he did? Did you know he's been snowballing us? Really? So he went out. He made one pass. He did not even do a second run. He didn't like test how hard can I launch it. It's his first time ever loading and launching the truck. Um, he came back. I, I got back into the car. We were out filming with him. I got back into the truck. I'm like, how'd it go? He's like, oh, I don't know, man. It was, it was like 977. So we've been telling everybody to shop it's a 977. So oh, I pulled I the 988. Like I ran a 988 in mine. Uh, <clears throat> Tim Mahoney ran his 2020 Ford with yeah. no tuning on it, and he ran like a 990. Mm -hmm. So we're like, oh, Jamie, we're all right on top of you, man. What the fuck? What the fuck? Dude, I actually watched the video because – you know, I just had him videotape. I didn't pay attention to it, so we had Justin publish the video the other day. I actually sat down and watched the video. That's snowballing son of a bitch. I actually had a 914. Wow. Not a wildly impressive time. Don't get me wrong. He didn't pull a 790 or something here. Um, but so it was it was clearly more than half a second better than he had told us. So that emissions equipped class. Uh, we're having some fun in it, right? Like there's, I think there's going to be a few more guys jumping in. Uh, I do want to say thank you. Um, we got a few other submissions out there. Kelsey App has a submission oh, in. Oh, badass. She's going to be running away with the Stealth Turbo class, I believe. Uh, and then, of course, we also have uh, Moyer. He's in on the WC Fab Unlimited class in a Shorty Duramax. Dope run. You guys definitely got to jump on and check that one out. That's up on the 
podcast Facebook group. Okay. Um, so make sure everybody jumps in and looks at it there. We're going to have all of the winners announced on today's episode. Right now, Chris and I are actually recording on Thursday, the day before yep. the end of the month. So I'll be recording the piece about all of the winners here, and you guys will hear it right now. Our Max Tuner Emissions Equipped class, we have Rip Montana coming in at a 914. Rip Montana was out running his 2015 uh, Chevy, or I'm sorry, it's a GMC Sierra 2500. Now this truck does have all of its emissions equipment intact, an Exergy Performance 10 millimeter CP4, a DT750 built transmission, a DT twin turbo LML kit, and a Fast 165 uh, lift pump. So great job, Rip Montana, with your 2015 LML, taking that 914 for the win in the emissions equipped class. Uh, over at the Exergy Unlimited class, we have a Blake Moyer coming in with a 761 uh, coming in hot. He also took it with a Duramax uh, 2500. Let's see, he has Exergy 100% SAC, 100% over injectors. WC Fab S400 kit, 12 millimeter pump, Air Dog, and it is swapped into a Silverado 1500. So, this is your shorty Duramax uh, coming out of a 2001. Great job. Uh, really impressed. I know he's got that forced induction uh, S472 8790 turbo. Way to kill it, Blake Moyer, and take that unlimited class with a 761 in your short bed Duramax. And then, of course, don't forget, we have our Stealth Turbo class. This is what I think is probably going to become the most competitive class in the, in the field. Um, really proud of this one. Really excited for this one. Great job, Kelsey Epp, with an 825. Of course, Kelsey taking out her 2003 Duramax. Uh, you can find Miss Max on the Draggy app and follow all of her passes. She's got the intooler, I'm sorry, the intercooler, the intake, uh, straight dual piped pretty pretty basic build 600 horsepower tips uh and a stock turbo so just crushing it out there great job kelsey thank you to everybody who submitted a form guys we really appreciate it okay uh so now that we're back <laughs> nice um you guys have now heard who who won each one of the classes we've we've looked at this competition we've talked about this every week on the show also i have talked about this every single day this month uh and we're we're going to try to make it better. We're going to try to make it – we're going to try to improve our weak spots, right? This is our very first time trying it. Listen, guys, we just didn't get a ton of entries. Yeah. I know there's a lot of you that bought draggies. I don't know. Maybe you're waiting to make one more pass. I mean, maybe or, you're still just playing with it. Or if it was like me, it takes like a solid like few months for this to like be embedded in my head. For <laughs> me to be like, so much. All right, I'm going to look at what a draggy really is and <laughs> try to get on this. So, you know, I'm a later adopter, Paul. I That's so true. That's so, so. true. Um, one of the problems I think we had is, is we stretched out the competition for an entire month. Th that was a misstep on my end. I thought it would give people a chance to submit multiple entries, realizing now that competitors don't want to show any sign of weakness or fault at all. People only want to submit their fastest possible run. So we're, we're going to do the last week of every month. We're going to open up the draggy competition. Okay. 
So the the competition will be open for one week. You'll be able to submit something. Uh, and, and then we're also going to come up with some some small prizes. I think we're going to do a, a Diesel Performance Podcast swag pack there you go. for the winner of each one of the classes. So then look like you every day at work. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, we're going to get PPE masks with my face on them. Oh, very so cool. So you can walk around and be Paul. Nice. Yeah, nice. I figure people will appreciate it. I do your face, but we're not doing Halloween masks. Um, well, a couple months. All right. So uh, the other thing I want to do is I want to review and revise our classes. I like our classes. I love the dinosaur, the stealth turbo, the emissions equipped, the big turbo, the unlimited. But I don't know that it's our best group of classes. We may go down to just three classes. Um, We may segment these out a little bit or try to be a little bit more inclusive in some of these classes and combine some of these that are pretty similar. Okay. Right. Uh, And then also I noticed I thought submitting an entry form was easy. Not everybody else did. Maybe I. Maybe the thirty questions I have on the entry form is too much. Uh, I mean, I would probably uh, stop answering them at about three. Did you submit your entry from your run, <laughs> 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 or not? Um, okay, guys, uh, I-, I am really excited about this. I think this is going to be a lot of fun. We're going to continue to try to do this at least for the next couple of months and see how it goes. The more participation we see. Uh, the more resources we'll put around this, and the bigger the prize pool we can kind of put together for you guys. Uh, for right now, though, Chris, every single week, this is generally where we would jump in and do our plugs for WC Fab and Exergy since yep. they sponsor our show and we're friends with them. However, uh, our producer Justin and I were sitting down and kind of thinking of like, hey, what's a new way we could do the commercial? And I came across this really, really cool video of Jason talking about the Exergy fuel system saver okay. for the LMLs. So for the guys who don't know who Jason is, Jason, owner of WC Fab. Jason Worley from Worley a, Custom did, Fab. Did an informational video yep. right on the fuel system saver from Exergy, which uh, they support your 11 to basically current power stroke, yep. okay, CP4, um, and the 11 to 16 LML. You got it. So we're going to kick it over to Jason Worley talking about Exergy performance. Hey everybody, Jason Worley with Worley Custom Fab. Today we're going to talk about the Exergy Performance CP4 Inlet Metering Valve, dubbed the Fuel System Saver. It's a well-known issue on the 2011-16 model LML Duramax that the factory CP4 high-pressure pump is problematic and failure-prone. Very little amounts of debris or water contamination into the fuel system can lead to very expensive pump failure, oftentimes requiring you to spend thousands of dollars in replacing the fuel injectors, fuel rails, and all of the lines and sensors involved in the high pressure fuel system. The Exergy Performance System Saver Inlet Metering Valve was designed to give you peace of mind in the event of a pump failure. CP3 conversions are very common upgrades, but they're not for everybody. Some people aren't looking to increase horsepower potential or don't want to spend that amount of money. So here it is, the System Saver Inlet Metering Valve next to the OEM CP4 Inlet Metering Valve. What are the differences? The important difference made to the System Saver Inlet Valve is the improvement made to the screen. The OEM screen is a single layer 80 micron and has a very flimsy design. In extreme cases, the factory screen can actually tear, introducing massive amounts of debris from the failed CP4 pump to the injectors. The System Saver screen is rated at 25 microns and is wrapped in two layers. This improved micron rating and double wrap construction will do a much better job of keeping failed pump debris from entering the rest of the fuel system. 
It is also constructed in a manner where it will not be able to tear or delaminate from the filter housing as the OEM screen can. Another benefit to the screen is the fact that it will load up quicker than the factory screen in the event of a pump failure. This will choke off the valve sooner, which will bring the truck out of service and shut it down in a shorter amount of time. These are all positive notes for increasing your chances of not having to replace the injectors in the case of a pump failure, which is where the big cost comes into play. The next question that lies, is there any loss of performance due to this Finer Micron screen? Extragy's done their homework here and they've tested their upgraded inlet mainering valve versus the stock one and there's no measurable loss of performance or pump flow, even in the 10 millimeter CP4 application all the way up to 4,500 RPM. To round off the features of the upgraded inlet metering valve, the housing is constructed from stainless steel for corrosion resistance. And as always, you can trust that Extragy products have been properly deburred and assembled using appropriate processes to ensure proper cleanliness. So that wraps up the features and benefits of the Extragy Performance System Saver inlet metering valve for the factory CP4 pump. If you don't want to do a CP3 conversion, but you want a little more peace of mind, a couple hours labor and a small cost, you can sleep a little better. All right, man. Uh, Chris, a lot of a lot of segues this week. We had to, yep. we had to cut to results. We had to cut to you being wrong. We had to cut to Jason. <laughs> uh, but but as we as we cut to a lot of these things, I, I started thinking about putting to, putting together today's topic. And cutting shit apart is a big part of the diesel world. Yeah. It turns out that if you jump on like Duramax Diesel Forums Facebook group today. You'll see the top four or five posts are all part outs. Yep. And as I went through forum after forum and group after group, I found part out and part out and part out. Now, this is something you used to spend a lot of time yeah. doing. I mean, you know, the diesel industry, it's a niche market, you know. Sure. Um, and then within that market, you have these small niche markets of different vehicles LB7 Duramax, LOI Duramax, LBZ, LMM, LML, uh, Cummins, you know, Ford. So, you know, there's a lot of times where you'll you'll have a guy you know like back when i was doing it <clears throat> you have an 01 dodge and you need an interior part or you you know you need a motor component or whatever a fender it just doesn't matter yeah and sometimes you can't source that stuff from a local junkyard because they have gas stuff or they might not necessarily have the reporting to be able to hone in on gas versus diesel 01 versus 02 that kind of thing so you know, you've seen, uh, I think I was doing part outs and, and making that a living for several years, about 10 years ago, yeah. before it was everyone and their mother doing it. <laughs> now, with uh, technology and the way, you know, Facebook forum or the forums are now on Facebook, it, it brings in a community to be able to offer a quicker, easier turnover, if yeah. you will, uh, to be able to get part outs in, in front of people and, and, and potentially get some components. So. Absolutely. Well, you know, and as we talk about this, one of the things that strikes me is th when somebody says part out, they usually have a picture of a wrecked truck. Yeah. That's our most common like theme here is they'll have a picture of a wrecked truck and then their posts are written in format in all sorts of different ways. Um, some are good. Some are terrible. Yeah. Um, one of the things that stood out is there are some parts that are a score if you can find them used, and then there are some parts that we would only recommend you buy brand new. Yeah, for sure. Uh, can you walk us through just a couple of just like brief examples to kind of illustrate that idea? Yeah. So I mean, I think <clears throat> part outs are going to come from uh, one of uh, a legitimate part outs going to probably come from one of three things. A, someone had a truck for a while, they crashed it, they ended up yep. buying it back from insurance, insurance totaled it out, they were able to buy the truck back for a thousand or two or three thousand dollars, and then 
they know that they can part it out because they know what the motor and trans alone are worth. Sure. Right? Or you have a guy who uh, simply, <clears throat> I've ran into this a couple times, you know, they have that old LB7, the injectors are tired, it's a $5,000 truck, and they need to put a set of injectors in, and then an injector job's five grand. They're like, you know what, fuck this, I'm going to sell it. Yeah. You know, truck's not worth anything, let's part it out. <sighs> Um, and lastly, I think you have the high-end part outs, which are performance builds. Guys that invest a ton of money into a platform, and yeah. they know they're not getting that money out. They're done with the project. So they part out the project again. And I, I've done all three. Sure. Okay. So what are some examples of bad used parts? Well, that guy that had that $5,000 LB7 that now wants to sell that LB7, don't buy his used injectors. <laughs> Simple as that, right? When you start looking at the high mileage stuff, you know, don't look at buying a used turbocharger because you need a turbocharger, right? Don't buy used injectors or a used injection pump because you need a component to get your truck back up and running. Now, in a performance aspect where miles are documented, things like that, a little different of a story. But if you know you have a bad set of injectors and this guy's selling a, a used set of injectors, that's where I would be a little bit more cautious. Now, if the seller's on the up and up, they might have the injectors tested, flow rated from a company like Exergy. Sure. So it makes a little bit more sense. It gives you a little bit more of a, an ease, you know, when you go into that purchase. Yeah. And, and I think in general, one of the things I, I personally would shy away from buying used are like highly wearable objects. Yeah. So anything in, in, in the truck, because I mean, clearly you and I are mostly on like the performance yeah. or the, the mechanical, but there's also a lot of other shit that comes down to like, you know, Look at the rims. I mean, did this guy road rash all of all yep. of the rims? That's probably a truck that's been driven rough, yep. right? Right. Like, there's some indicators that you can look around and kind of see. Like, this guy probably didn't take the best care of the mechanics. Yep. Look at his interior piled all the way to the seat with empty cigarette packs. Yeah. You know, no. shit like that. You 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 kind of get an idea. Like, okay, the these are some items that I might not want to buy used, or this yep. might not be the right vendor I want to buy used yep. parts from. Now, at the same time, buying a score like that truck for five, right, or or a, something similar, sure. where you're able to buy a fully dressed motor that's a core for like fifteen hundred bucks, and you know you're going to do a built motor in your truck, but you don't want to pull out the proper, you know, your good running engine in the yeah, truck. Yeah, yeah. This is a score because then you're able to buy a truck that you know the injectors are bad. Those are cores for whatever new injectors you get. You have a core turbocharger depending on what you do with a turbocharger and you have a block and head that you can send off to the machine shop right so there's where i see a big value in doing a lot of the part outs engine aside then you go into like you know um what's really popular for part outs is going to come into radiator intercooler some other mechanical components but body components and interior components yeah beds fenders doors some things that you know like i go down south to buy certain parts when i was buying and selling off of auctions like yeah. insurance auctions i would make sure to buy wrecked trucks from down south sure cuz you know you're going to get here. a good fender i'm going right? to make i'm going to make money on that and yeah. i didn't care what the engine did i cared about the body parts on those yep so you know it's it's being really creative on some of that stuff and you start to find a lot of this I always called it a side hustle, even though, you know, for about two years, that was my my main income. That's what I did. <laughs> so you start to see a lot of guys, you know, they're, they're starting to take advantage of that because of uh, social networking and, and, and how they're able to get in front of a bunch of people. That's right. That's right. Um, okay. So when you're buying parts, let's, the, the other big part of this, you got to know what you want. You got to find the right guy. You got to find it. He's, he's local. You, you got all these things that are going to come down to it. Um, there's things that matter. Right. There's things that matter when I'm looking at it. Uh, and, and one of the things, like I said, is is comes down to location, comes down to location, the condition of the truck, how many miles were on it. 
Um, is the original poster a dickhead? Like, I won't buy from a guy where half of his his post is in all caps screaming at me what not to do. I get it. Selling things on Facebook can be annoying. It's not how you sell shit. You don't sell shit by screaming at people via text. Um, do not message me stupid questions. That's a guy I'm not buying anything from. Okay. I don't care what parts. I don't care what prices. I'm not dealing with that person. See, now, That's just me. For me, I think that that kind of – it's all in translation. So – you can text someone something very nice and it can come across very rude. I wouldn't be discouraged from the capitalization and things like that. I get discouraged in the first two messages in responses that I get back. Because if I ask a buying question and I get an ignorant response. There you go. Dildo. Done. I'm done. Fuck you. Like, I'm done. I'm not doing it. Now, at the same time, I've had posts where guys are like that. You go and you scroll through their uh, their Facebook you know, page. They seem like they're, you know, somewhat of a, a decent, you know. Hit the comments. Hit the know, comments on their post. You'll person. usually yep. see somebody else ask a question and get a feel for how did yep. this person yep. respond. And then usually I'll go into a message. And again, you know, I, I have an idea or an expectation of how I want to be responded. Um as I sell stuff, if someone's asking me a question that's already been answered in the post, maybe they overlooked it. Okay, sure. I, I misread things and overlook things all the time. I'm half dyslexic. I get it. But if the second or third question is going to be the same way, like, dude, seriously, now now you're a time waster. That's when time is money. Your time's worth something, but my time is worth something. Stop wasting it. Yeah. You know. Yeah. It, it, it's there's definitely that balance. There's definitely a lot of uh, is this still available, which is your Facebook default message for everything that's for sale. Yep. So you, you're going to get a ton of those. Um, and yeah, let's talk about being a seller, right? Or so. So there's a difference in negotiating when you're the buyer and the seller. Absolutely. When I'm the buyer, personally, I will not ask a price-based question. I will not ask a negotiating price question via text message or via messenger. I will only negotiate price in person. I now have made that seller commit their time to me. I hopefully have had that seller push off other sales. When I show up, I'm talking about how they're going to spend the money so that they're thinking about how much they want this money and how little they want this part. So I'll talk about the problems they had with the truck. I'll talk about why they're getting rid of the truck. I'll ask them what are they going to do with the money once they get all of this together. Get them excited thinking about the future and thinking about how much they don't want this shit. Then I'll whack them with a lowball offer. Okay. That's just me. So you're still wasting their time. I like it. Well, listen, like a lowball <laughs> offer, I think that's a, a big question. Like, do I walk in and offer somebody 50%? Yeah. No, I won't go and I'm not even going to go look at a part if I think that they have double market price on it, yeah, I'm not. Well, that, that's I'm not going to waste my time, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm also not going to show up and say, "Hey, you have this up for market price, but I'm trying to fuck you, so I'm going to offer you half." Mm-hmm. I'm not interested in wasting time, right? To me, a lowball offers usually around ten to twenty percent less than asking price. Okay. Where are you at on this? How do you approach negotiating as a buyer? Um, I mean, for myself, you know, uh, it, it depends because I do a lot of buying on new stuff from guys that are, you know, halfway across the country where I'm not going to go in person. Sure. Um, a lot of the used stuff that I buy, it, you know, it's very niche market, you know, whether it's it's the boating stuff or like when I had the car and I was buying stuff with the car and um, how I would go about it is you ask educated questions, you yeah. know, um, you know, based on what I'm looking for, what I what I want, how long have you had it? Did it work prior? Uh, can you get me some better photos of this component? You know, I have money in PayPal. I'm, I'm willing to work a deal. Usually that gains a little bit of motivation for them to get me the info I need. And then from there, I'll make an offer. Hey, this is what I need. I want this. I'll do it for this price shipped. Here's my zip code. Let me know if it works. Yeah. And I'll leave it up to them. It's in their hands. Okay. okay. Um, 
I myself, you know, I, I try to do some research and become more of that educated consumer on what something is worth prior. For an example, <clears throat> if someone is selling, uh, an, we'll just go with a turbo, right? Because that's easy, right? I know what a brand new turbo costs. I know what a brand new high performance turbo costs. And if they're trying to sell a used turbo for just a couple hundred dollars less, I'm not even going to get into a negotiation because they are so far-fetched from reality on what that component's worth. Yeah. Right? So I want to be educated, right? Um, now, from the seller's point of view, you know, let's let's dive into that because that segues really nicely. Sure. When I was doing all my part-outs, I would have a pen and paper, and I would write each individual part that I knew was worth something on that vehicle. And I would put a dollar next to it of what I thought it was worth at fair market value. This could be from other part outs that I saw. You can't price a single part more than what the actual vehicle is worth in most scenarios, right? You see these guys trying to sell an engine for $5,000. Well, the truck's <laughs> worth $5,000. So, you know, it, but but there are certain situations where that is that 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 is realistic at the same time. Sure. So, you know, you try to become one with knowing what your value of the components are, and as these guys are parting out their vehicles, they also have a dollar amount that they need to get out of it to make the part out worth their while. Yeah. Plus their time of taking things apart, you know, I mean it's America, right? Um, so for myself, it was always understanding what I was selling, breaking everything down to a certain dollar amount of what I would like to see. And then I actually planned more, and I did plan for someone like you to lowball me. Yeah. So I had a dollar of what I was asking, and then I had next to it what I would take. Right. And I would never tell the you know the buyer, hey, I'll, I'll just do this, buy it now. No. But I also had to prepare myself because what do you do for the guy that wants to buy four or five parts? You got to give them a gimme. You know, you got to give them a hey. You they buy want all a deal, this, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I want to deal because I want those many parts gone. Sure. So you know, it's and the just, less buyers you can deal with, the faster it, you're getting you're your, money get your money back. Yeah. So you know, it was just it was understanding. You know what you had, but to the guy, I I prefer the guy online to message me a couple questions and then just give me an ignorant lowball because then I just don't have to respond. Now I don't have to waste my time. You know what I'm saying? So there I think there's a time and a place for that. Yeah, yeah. Also, no, as the seller, as the seller you're right, um as a seller of of any used goods, I am always big on writing the words firm when I'm firm and OBO is OBO. If you write OBO on your post, get ready to get lowballed. Yep. Just know that going in. You're the one writing the post more if than you're 10, asking 20%, for offer. More than yeah, 10, way more than that, you're right? You like, have the self-proclaimed, you know, uh, master negotiators thinking that they're, you know, you're asking 100, they're going to give you 25. Yes. Like, yes. Yes. Um, so, 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 yeah, so I think that comes down to also with writing a successful sales post, right? Um, Chris, you hit on one of the big keys of selling items during a part out, and that's having an inventory sheet and a price list. Crucial. Do not attempt to do a part out without this yep. because this will be your Bible to whether or not this was profitable or a huge loss. Yep. Um, so, so as you have that inventory and that price list put together, you you then have to put together a sales post. Personally, the best sales post I've seen for a part out include a short description of the vehicle. I do not need to know anything about its history. I do not care if it was grandpa driven. It's been wrapped around a telephone pole right. or a fucking deer at this point. It doesn't matter how, how it, like that shit doesn't matter. I, I just want to know the facts, mm -hmm. right? So give me a little bit about the truck and then give me a list of all of the parts you want to sell and all of the, the asking dollar amounts. Do not, nothing will, will frustrate me more than a part out that says, just testing the waters. Let me know what you would pay for the items you want. 
Who's going to post on that? Well, who I mean, is not? Starters, who, starters, are you just that bored? Someone that you're going to waste your time with because you're going to go Guaranteed. into the negotiating phase. You're going to go into potentially if it's local and going to look at the stuff, and that person doesn't even know if they want to sell it. What What is the point yeah. of who does this? Like this drives me insane. No, I I see a lot of that. You know, I, I see a lot of that in the. So I, I recently bought a new gas car project, uh, you know, an LS project. Yeah. And I'm, I'm on the G8 pages, G8 forums, and I, I've seen four or five of those. Hey, testing the waters, dude. You have the same fucking truck as or same fucking car as the other thirty thousand members in this in this page. Yes. You have nothing special. There's nothing to test the waters on. Your car's worth X. Either sell it or don't. Right. That's it. You know. Like, or or and 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 I love some of these phrasings where pe- people put personal sob stories. Yep. Um, into it, like because oh, I, I I care. I right, don't. I don't care. I, I want to buy the vehicle for cheap. I, I <laughs> how desperate are you? <laughs> it is a used. It is a used yeah. wreck truck. Ninety nine percent of the time, I don't care what your story is. No. Um, don't be the desperate seller. Don't don't do the personal sob stories. Angry seller, like we said earlier, yeah. fuck you. Don't do I'm that. not dealing with you. If if your list, if your post looks like a list of terrorist demands for the people you're willing to work with. Fuck yourself. I'm no. not buying anything from like you. Like you said, you know what? A good post, if you're going to move the p- components, is brief description, bullet points of the parts and the price. Okay? Have your stand, firm, negotiable, whatever. Have good photos. Thank have you. Have some good photos. And one thing I did when I was parting out like engines and transes and stuff, I took videos of them running. Oh, okay? what a, what a then, crazy idea. And then the thing that I always did, because I knew the motors when I was selling them, I gave a written guarantee. I went. I did go that far. I mean, I, what is that worth? I mean, it was always worth. Just if twenty-two-year-old Chris Emke wrote down on a piece of paper, I guarantee this engine will start, or I'll give you the money back. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Oh, shit. And I would always get five to eight hundred dollars more per motor because of it. Yeah. For market value, but I I knew that market. Like, right. I knew, right. 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 I knew that market like the back of my hand, and I'd have guys drive hours to come pick up engines. But I mean, it, it, you know, it was signed. It was signed. It was dated. It was dated. You know, but I never had. I, I I never had any issues with that stuff. Yeah. But I also knew what I was selling ahead of time. You know? Right. I would never give a guarantee to. Oh, I bought a wrecked truck. Never heard it run. Yeah, yeah. I'll guarantee you. Oh no. <laughs> no, 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 no. But, well, as a buyer too, you got to be cautious of that because a written guarantee from some asshole in his garage that's 22 much. years old is yeah. doesn't matter if that 22 year old takes the cash you gave him and runs out and buys a fucking jet ski and doesn't have any cash for you to like yeah. there's no assets to, to recover right mm-hmm. so just be smart be I'll smart, be smart about that. it you know cross your t's dot your i's you know make sure you know what you're giving you know in, in exchange you know money for your parts and uh yeah no but i you know be very clear very clear on the components if you're going to be the seller you know, um, one thing that I've been doing recently, too, as I'm going on, like, you know, different, you know, uh, odds and ends forums for projects that I have going on, they'll have really good photos of, like, an exterior of something, but they don't have, like, engine bay shots or interior bay shots. So then it's like, hey, you know, uh, I'm interested. Can you send me more photos? Oh, yeah, I'll have to get to that later. Well, you should have never posted it without all the photos. If you're not ready, you're not ready. And that's yep. something I want to talk about here, Chris. Uh, selling a dressed engine compared to the guy... Who wants to completely strip it down? Yeah. Right? So what what if you want to sell? Because I see the advantage of selling a dressed engine. You get to pull the whole engine out, the and turbo, yep. the injectors, the uh, like probably not up pipes, but whatever. As much of the shit as you can and you dump it on one person. But what happens when you're sitting on it and nobody buys it and nobody buys it and nobody buys it? And now two, three months have gone by and nobody's bought it. But I message you and I say, hey, I just want the turbo. 
do you now go out and pull the turbo off? Because now it's not a fully dressed engine. Now you you couldn't sell it for a price with a turbo. So now you've taken the turbo off. And then the next guy comes along and he says, hey, I just want the Fickum and the injectors out of it. Well, yeah. now you have less. And, and all of a sudden you start to whittle this yeah. away. So I where mean, do that, you draw those lines? That I think that that falls in line with, you know, the sob story, you know, to a degree, because, yeah. you know, that's that's an end user position. You know, for myself, I usually, if the motors were turnkey, they would not get this assembled. I know that they would sit because that was money in the bank. Okay, so you okay. would hold tight. You'd rather wait four months less. Yeah. than, than I had, I waited, to deal with I waited eight guys months. to dump it. I, made it. I waited eight months for a motor. Yeah. But I made more on the motor than I paid for the whole truck. Sure. You know, in the same token, you know, when I had a couple of my Duramax engines, you know, uh, there were things like an injector was bad or an uppipe was cracked or, you know, a head gasket was bad and I knew about it. That's not a proper complete engine to sell. That's a part out motor. Yeah. That's sell the heads for core, sell the block for core, injectors, turbo. It's all core money, right? And depending on the person, you'll get good core money out of that, but you knew going into that what you were doing. Yeah. That's the difference. So my philosophy was if it was a healthy engine and you knew it, turnkey, you sell it as that. That's the value. That's the gain. For the guy that has a second gen Dodge that had a 53 block crack on, you know, on the coolant port and he needs a block, well, a block from Cummins is $4,000 or $3,000, and he can get a complete running motor for $2,500 if he could find it from a, a honorable sale, you know, a, yeah. you know, uh, sale seller, person, yeah. seller, then it makes sense, right? It makes sense to sell the complete motor to the guy. You're making a killing. He's getting a value. It's a win-win situation, right? Right. Now, to the next guy that I had a 53 block to sell, the block's worth shit. Even though it's not cracked, the theory and ideas is that it's going to crack. Yeah. So that was worth more as parts. So I think there's a value in understanding what you have, what its value is, what the consumer demand is going to be. There you go. And then breaking it from there. I think that's a big hit, and I think that's where a lot of guys miss is they look at it, and I see this mostly in the high-performance build. Yeah. I went and I built a, a, a allegedly 700, 750-horsepower Cummins, yeah. and now I want to get into LS stuff, so I'm going to part out my Cummins. Oh. But I want basically brand new pricing on everything in it so oh, i pulled out my 100 percent over injectors and i want ten dollars less than what it would cost yeah. you to go buy 100 percent over injectors i bought and because i perceived the value of all of these parts i bought as being well worth it hence i paid my money for it when they were new i now think that everybody else perceives well, these parts as well worth it and, and that's that's where I think we see some of the friction yeah, when yeah. selling used goods, right, well, is I, understanding how to identify market yeah. value. It's not your opinion of what it's no, worth. No, for sure. It's everyone else's opinion no. of what it's worth. I looked at it this way. Back when I started with with Calibrated, back in 14, um, I had a, a 01 Dodge that had a 12-valve motor swapped into it with a 47 and compound turbos, and it was a project that I was working on. Yeah. And right upon the time it was to be completed, Nick had pulled me aside, and that's when you know he proposed that he would start teaching me how to tune a truck, but I had to buy a truck. Well, you don't tune a 12-valve, right? So that truck and that platform was, was not worth it for me. Sure. So I was faced with either A, keep the truck, B, try to sell the truck as a whole, which you're not going to get out of it, you know, what, what I had into it. Right. Or, and I, I needed money quick. You know, I was fast acting at the time. And I ended up finding a truck online that was within a price range that could be afforded if I got rid of the my old white truck. So I put everything up for sale and I did 30% under market value on what it was. And everything had barely any runtime. And because of the position of how I put myself in on that, I had everything sold in a week and a half. Yeah. The roller included. 
right? So it's understanding. So to your point, yeah, I mean, if a new set of 100 over injectors are $4,000 and you're going to try to get, you know, 3800 for them, I'm going to pay $200 more right. to go get a brand new set. You <laughs> know, on, I'm not man. I'm not saving 200 bucks. Now at the same time, if I'm looking for 100 over injectors and you're willing to sell them for $3,000 yeah. and 4,000 is new, I'm saving $1,000 and you have paperwork and proof. Now we're talking. Yeah. And I think there's a lot to be said about that. Now let's talk about a different high demand product. I want to go buy a twin turbo kit. Well, the fabricator I want to go through is a month and a half to two months out. I want the kit now, and I find a kit online. And that guy's selling the kit, and it's maybe not exactly retail, but it's close. But I can get the kit now and not wait a month or two? Well, there's a value then. Yeah, there's yeah, a value. Yeah, that, yeah, again, yeah. supply and demand. Right. And you know what you see in the stores and what you see you know, for new products holds true in the used market depending on the components. But again, you got to know what you're looking for. you got to know what you're selling. So. Absolutely. Guys, uh, I think this has been one of our rare episodes where we're actually giving really solid consumer advice. Yeah, so yeah. this has been fun. fun. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Uh, don't forget, enter the Draggy competition next month. Uh, we're going to be running it the last week of August. Check out WC Fab and Exergy Performance. And, of course, you can always reach Chris over at Duramax Tuner and Calibrated Power. Uh, and if you need to get a hold of me, go ahead and shoot us a Facebook message. For today, this has been Paul Wilson. And Chris Emke. Thanks for listening. a fast shit fast shit